Hello, real estate world. Welcome to the Nova Show, real estate records. This is Nuria Rivera, owner of Novation Title. I wanted to create the space for you guys to be able to share success stories, but not only success stories. I also wanted you guys to be able to share raw stories, everything that you have learned from the failures, the lessons, the wins. This is a space for our community to come together so that we can help each other rise to the next level. This is a space to be vulnerable, and this is a space for us to all be able to support each other in this real estate world. Please enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Nova Show Real Estate Records. My name is Tristan Hammett, and I am your host for today's episode. And today, we're thrilled to feature Utah realtor Steve Barton. With over 25 years of experience, a master's in real estate development, and a background in resort development, Steve's expertise is unmatched. He secured the number one spot in individual sales statewide multiple times, boasting $519 million in career transactions. Tune in for an invaluable insight from this Rainmaker Award winner, Steve Barton. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for joining me today. This is Steve's actually second time recording with us. We were uh, we had some technical issues the first time, so I appreciate you being so patient and coming in again. And now it's with a new host, so nice to meet you. You too. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I'm from Salt Lake City. Okay. And uh, lived in Tennessee and lived in uh, Texas. Mostly grew up in uh, you know Salt Lake, Salt Lake area. Okay. Yeah. When did you come back to Utah? Uh, so we came back from uh, moved back from Texas when I was uh, ninth grade. So I've been, been here mostly ever since, and okay. I spent a couple of years in Tennessee. That's so. awesome. Yeah. All right, and tell us about your journey into real estate. Um, I know you have a master's in real estate development, mm -hmm. and you have background in resort development. So that's, I've actually never heard of this with any other realtors that I've met. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about all this. How'd you get into all this? You know, when I was in Tennessee, I, I kind of identified I wanted to be in real estate, but then kind of, but, but when I got back and went to BYU, I, I took a, a kind of a sidetrack and got into securities and finances. So I kind of learned that side of things. But then I realized after that, I wanted to get more in the development side of things. I met an amazing guy named Stan Castleton, who was, uh, he did resort development. He lived in California, did amazing projects. Okay. One of them was that uh, they, they owned the uh, Hilton Anaheim. Uh, right there across the street from Disneyland. Oh, wow. So for a while there, I used to fly, live in Utah, but then fly out to California because it's so expensive to fly in California yeah. that it was cheap. It was less expensive to just live here and fly out there, work there, and then fly back. And so I, I would do that all the time and, so and then work on resort development. Okay. Yeah. What does that all entail? Is that like the plans from like ground up? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long sales cycle, long process. Okay. Yeah, you have a lot of... Uh, deals that come before your desk before you finally find the right one. In this case, we were uh, working on the, we ended up doing the St. Rita's up in Deer Valley, a beautiful five-star resort hotel. Yes. We actually had the, one of our wow items is we actually had a, uh, the first funicular in North America. I don't even know what the, what is a funicular? A funicular is an on-the-ground tram. So, oh. so if you go up to, to Deer Valley, okay. you'll, you'll see that you, you start at the lower end of, of the, the lodge area. Yes. And, and then you take you can take a funicular up to the upper end of, of where the St. Regis is. I didn't so, know that's what it's called. Yes. That's awesome. Right. They're all over like Europe, but yeah. we had the first one in North America, I believe. That's I, I believe that's the case. Okay. Yeah. That is so cool. Okay, so St. Regis is a very 
nice resort. Yes, yeah, they've got some really great restaurants. One of the things that we did also was, at the time, there was it was really difficult to bring alcohol outside of your uh, restaurant area. Oh. And so we worked with the state to actually create kind of a resort zoning to allow guests to bring their wine and their alcohol out onto the uh, snow beach, okay. <laughs> which is another one of our wow items. Okay. And, and which was a really cool concept. It allowed, allowed them to do that. And we ended up getting a lot of buyers, a lot of purchasers. That one had 27 residences at the, uh, 67 condo hotels. Wow. Uh, and we had a lot of our uh, purchases were actually from back east. Oh, you know, they knew they could get on the flight that morning and be on the slopes that afternoon. The snow is much right. better here. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I heard best it's pretty icy on the snow. That's very true. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, so, so cool. So you, are you still doing resort development? No. 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 Okay. So in 2000, I mean, everybody knows what happened around 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. 2007, right? The whole development and real estate world just crashed. I mean, it was a train wreck. Yes. And I, I could see the right in the wall. Everybody that we worked with could see the right in the wall. We, we knew that the very first thing to go was five-star resort development. Okay. And the last thing to come back was five-star resort development. So so we knew that, that that was coming. And I thought, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And that's when I, I decided to go back to school at the University of Utah, get my master's degree in real estate development and finance, and just kind of use that time to further my education. But when I graduated, there was still no work. There was no work anywhere. It was the, it was the hardest time of my life. I, I literally went over two years with no consistent income at all. Wow. It was very, very difficult. And bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was very hard. and and. Looking back on that now, I'm grateful for that time, even though at the time it was very hard. I'm grateful for that because that kind of refined me as a person and helped me understand that I needed to focus more on sales than development. Okay. And that's when I made the, the switch to sales, okay. which is a more, I, I love development still, and I still do some development still right now, not, not resort development, but other development. But the main focus now is sales, and I'm grateful for that because that's, who I am more as a person. I love to help people individually and work with them individually, help them realize their dreams on individuals, you know, house by house level. Okay. Love that. So let's talk about this because you do very well. You've been a top 500 agent multiple years. How are you making yourself different than the next agent that they keep wanting to come back and use yeah. you and wanting to send you referrals? Well, it's, that's a great question. And one of the things I, I always tell, I have agents on my team, and one of the things I always tell them is, tell your clients, tell your prospects, give your me in 30 seconds. What is my me in 30 seconds? People don't want to really listen to you about yourself for more than 30 seconds. <laughs> so, so give me your you in 30 seconds. And, and make sure that, they, that they're like, well, oh, hey, I want to work with that person. Because that's an amazing thing that they have in their 30 seconds about them. So for me, I tell them, hey, I've done over $519 million in real estate transactions in my career. I used to be on a development team, develop five-star resort hotels. Long time ago, I used to own a mortgage branch. I used to be a loan officer oh, as so well. Oh, you have that background. Yeah, so I have that background too. Two of the last four years, a top agent in the state of Utah for individual sales. The things like that make them go, oh, I need to work with that person. Yeah. You know, I, you know that's what he's doing. Basically, I'm like the most overqualified agent you're going to run across, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and, the, and don't get me wrong, there's many wonderful, wonderful agents out, out there for people to work with. 
but uh, but that's my me in 30 seconds. Wow, okay, so. very cool. So what are the, some of the things that you do to stay in front of your SOI and your clients? Do you have events? Do you make phone calls? Or what are you doing to stay in front of your clients? That's, that's a really good question. It's something that's always evolving too. Okay. For me, every agent is different. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, when it comes to what works for each individual agent, it's kind of like different coaches in football, right? Yeah. You'll have, just as long as you're buying into the system that that coach is doing, you can find success. And the same, it's the same with agents. There's different ways to market and different ways to interact with your clients, different ways to, to um, continue to talk to your SOI. The main way for me personally is I just receive leads and referrals, I should say, just through my clientele because I've let them know I'm here to take care of them and I'm going to do whatever takes care of them. And we're going to adapt the way that we're doing things to help make sure that we're taking care of them Okay. and they can feel that. And so that's the reason why those referrals come in. Just keep coming in. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That I would love to have a referral business because cold calling would not be my, no, my favorite thing to do. I wouldn't be doing any business if I wouldn't be doing it. So, okay, very cool. You have a team. Yeah. How long have you had the team and what made you decide to go? Well, the team, we help each other. Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes one of us might go out of town, the other one can take do showings for your clients or whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. It's good to have a team so that you can have that synergistic flow that's hopefully seamless for the most part for your clients. A lot of agents that I speak to, they need help, but they don't know where to start yeah. and when to like, when do I need to get that first person? Who is my first person? So how did you know and when like to, to start adding a, on a team? When it became uh, apparent that I couldn't, I couldn't do everything myself. Okay. Basically, okay. you know, you, you need help. You need to be able to make it so that your clients don't feel like you're not giving them the time that they deserve. You know, one of the things that that we teach our, uh, that we talk to our clients, and one of the things that I personally love and and kind of specialize in is helping people build their portfolios. Okay. And what can we do? Because if you go look at a list of millionaires, 80, 90% of those people are in real estate. Yes. Seriously, it, it, that's how you build wealth, the most risk-adverse way, mm -hmm. and uh, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, you have NBA stars on there, so with that, right? But what are the chances to get the NBA? Right. Yeah, so, so one of the things I love to do is I love to help people realize and start building a portfolio. And I made the mistake when I was younger, when I was at BYU, a, a really interesting story happened. And, uh, I yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, I, was, I was at BYU, I was selling suits, ZCMI, and, uh, which is, you know, Macy's today. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not from here either, right, so right. I'm like, I don't know what yeah, ZCMI, yeah. Okay. It's a department store that I think uh, somebody else bought, and Macy's bought them anyway. Okay. I was selling suits, and my manager, uh, Craig, he, he was an awesome guy, and he was selling suits, and I graduated, and I was, I was getting close to graduating, and, or I was a junior year, I think, and that's when I mentioned that I got into securities, right, and finances. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Craig and I said, hey, can I stop by and, you know, sell you some life insurance or something? You know? yeah. He's like, sure, yeah. <laughs> Come on over, sure, yeah, that's fine, right? So, yeah, and, and I always felt just a little bit of a, a, um, a heartfelt feeling for Craig because Craig used to own his own suit stores 
And now he no longer did. And he kind of, he kind of, uh, I think he kind of lost him or lost one of them or something like that. Okay. So I always felt like, oh, Craig had to be here at ZCMI selling suits because he, it didn't work for him earlier on, okay. you know? And so he kind of has to be here to probably make ends meet. You know what I mean? I always kind of felt like maybe that was the reason why he was there. Okay. He tells me, hey, yeah, come on over. I live in Mapleton. So I went over to his house and I pull up and it's this mansion, this <laughs> mansion house. And I'm like, and there's like land everywhere. And I'm like, wow, Craig, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Tell me your story. What kind of suits are yours? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I thought you like lost the suit store. What What's going on? You know? Yeah. And he goes, oh, it's the funniest thing. It just kind of happened organically. And I'm like, what happened organically? And so we start talking about it. He goes, well, I was in college or back then. He goes, I saw that down the street, there was this duplex for sale. And he goes, I had just enough money to kind of buy it. So I bought it and I'm kind of focusing on my crew over here. Just kind of, that's just on the side. He goes, but then I got enough money from the proceeds from that duplex to buy another duplex down the street. So I bought another duplex and he goes, and then that kind of pulled together, you know, and next thing you know, I had enough money to kind of buy another duplex. So I bought another duplex and he goes, no, this whole time I'm busy building my suit business and trying to get my suit business going. But in the meantime, on the side, I'm just buying these duplexes. Yeah. He goes, and throughout my life, Steve, he goes, I bought 22 of them. Wow. And he goes, and they're all paid off. Wow. And they all just paid themselves off. Yeah. Yeah. And so no matter what I was doing over here in suits, this was paying itself off. Yeah. He goes, and it was a really weird organic thing for me because I realized at this later on in my life, no matter what was going on with suits, no matter if it was crashing or I was losing my store or I was working for ZCMI or whatever, it didn't matter because this created wealth and stability. Yes. And I was like, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm sold. And so I immediately, right after that experience, I immediately went out, bought my first non-conforming duplex as a junior at BYU. Cool. My senior year, I bought another duplex. So I was trying to follow Chris' example. Okay. And then, and then I made the biggest mistake of my life. And this is exactly. I sold them, but it's not just that I sold them. It's what I did with the money. That was the mistake. Uh, so if I would have sold my duplexes and rolled that into more cash flowing opportunities, okay. wouldn't matter. That'd be great. Right. But I didn't do that. Instead, I graduated from BYU and said, okay, I'm graduated. And Let's go live the American dream. Let's go. Let's go buy a house and drape. Yeah, no, not a mansion. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, Draper's Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, so on the west side of Draper, we bought this house. It was a starter home. We used the proceeds from the two duplexes to to put as a down payment. Massive mistake, because it because it took me years and years and years and years after that to to gather enough money to get enough funds to be able to put my 20 to 25% down to then buy another investment property. Whereas I already have that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I learned, and this is what I always talk to my clients about. And they let's, what can we do to help, help build your portfolio, especially right now in your life, no matter when you are in your life, yeah. younger, older, it doesn't matter. And how do you feel like those conversations go right now? Like when you're talking to your clients right now and they're looking to invest and purchase and building their portfolio, what what are your conversations looking like? I know like you have your story of your personal experience, but right now I feel like prices are a little higher mm -hmm. 
and therefore mortgages are higher. So if they want renters, the rent's going to be high. Mm -hmm. So what is the, what do the conversations look like? Are you going through cost analysis or ROI, return on investments? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so every, every single person that's interested in building a portfolio, you know, this isn't for everybody, right? I mean, you, you know, people just want to buy and live there and first time home buyers and all that stuff. Right. But anybody that's interested in potentially renting out their places, whether it be now or later, I always run a rental analysis. I always run a, uh, when, I, when I used to do hotel resort development, I was responsible for literally like 30 page, 30 sheet performance that are presented billionaires. Oh, wow. And so what I did was I used that knowledge to, con to bring it all condensed into one sheet that was real simple, real easy to read, mm -hmm. and just talked about what the ROI was, what our cap rate is, and what that means. And so, we, and so I share that with my clients and then run the rental analysis to see where we are on that. Okay. As far as the market goes, but I've been preaching this for years. So when I when I was back in back in 2010 when I was getting my graduate degree, mm -hmm. there was a guy named Dr. Arthur Nelson, who is a national demographic specialist. Oh. And he was at Virginia Tech. And the whole reason why he came to the University of Utah is because his analysis showed that between 2010 and to about 2030, we would be the fastest growing megapolitan area in the United States. Wow. He showed that that 20 year, we would be undersupplied. And so he came here to say, okay, how can we make things more dense? How can we prepare for this? Okay. And that guy has been dead on. He's been wow. absolutely right. So back to your question. Now we have what, six or seven years left in that cycle. Okay. And it's been true so far. He's been very accurate. All the analysis that we're studying are showing that we still should be undersupplied. So what does that mean going forward? Well, if the rates go continue, if the rates come back down, which they're expected to a little bit over this next year, that's kind of the, the analysis is, is saying, right. especially during the election cycle. If they come down this next year, incrementally down, and other people are still sitting on the mortgage because they have these such low interest rates and they're not willing to sell, mm -hmm. what does that mean? That's right. It means that there's going to be more of some level of frenzy later on. Yeah. So what does that mean for now? What that means for now is if you're a buyer, buy now. Because the prices are down, the rates are slightly higher, buy now, refinance later. Yeah, because you're locked yeah. into it. You're paying 20, 30, 60 grand over asking price because there's no houses available to buy and you need a house now. You're locked into that price. Right. So instead of the rate, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. oh man. Yeah, the thing, the thing that's hard for some clients right now is that they don't look, they're looking at the, the monthly, the monthly cost. And so, and I get that, I get it. It's, you want to make sure that it's affordable to you, right? On a monthly basis. But as long as it is, my recommendation is buy with the pricing down a little bit right now, even though the cost might be a little bit more on a monthly basis mm -hmm. and then refinance. And then don't get in the frenzy later on, though. You know, we may or may not have, but if the rates go down, I think we will have. Yeah. So. Okay. So those are the conversations that you're having right now. Do you feel right. like people are wanting to still invest in real estate right yeah. now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get calls every day. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. I like it. Okay. And then I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you feel like have contributed to your growth and success over the years? If you have like two or three things. 
I, I really like the fact that I have the background in finance and also mortgages. Mm -hmm. that I really, think that's so helpful. That really, really helpful because yeah. part of the whole transaction puzzle is the financing, right? right. Yeah. So, so um, having that, can you kind of qualify people over the phone by asking them a few questions before they? Well, I mean, before I, you send them to I, a lender, I've got a really awesome lender that's just amazing. She used to own a nationwide lending company. I looked for a great lender that would work with me on the way I wanted to work in real estate for years. Okay. And Stephanie is just amazing. She's, she's, I can't say enough about her. And so what I usually do is just kind of look at the, the puzzle with what my knowledge is, but then send them off to Stephanie yes. <laughs> yeah. because she's the expert okay. in that area. You know, my undergraduate degree at BYU was recreation management okay. uh, with an emphasis in hospitality administration. So hence hotels. Right? Yeah. Um, and my, um, my internship, my senior year was with the Utah Jazz. Oh, cool! In '96. Okay. You know what? Do you know what happened in '96 in the Utah Jazz? They definitely <laughs> don't. Yeah, they, they went here. to the finals and took on Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, okay. So that was the year that one of the years they went to the finals. Okay. Amazing internship, incredible, wow. and it taught me a lot. Okay. It taught me a lot about business. Worked with amazing people like Dave Allred, and just it was a, you know learned what pro athletes are like. Um, one of those, oh, this, you're going to, this is kind of funny with what happened with our, our podcast. Okay. One of those experiences was I, I was responsible for interviewing all the opposing players that came to the Delta center. And then I would transcribe those notes for the media to use. Okay. And one of those players was uh, Clyde Drexler. Okay. And it was Clyde Drexler's final year. And so we're interviewing him and we went through this whole big process and the camera guy sitting there and. We're interviewing him and he's asking all these questions and I'm just there, you know, taking it all in. Right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden the camera guy gets this real red look on his face and he looks at his camera and he's, and he taps the guy on the shoulder, he whispers in his ear and he, and the, uh, and the interviewer goes, Clyde, I'm so sorry, but we weren't recording that whole time. <laughs> As I look to make sure we're recording. Right. And so, and Clyde was the coolest guy. He goes, you know what? Totally understandable. It happens. No big deal. G get it going. Let's do it again. You know? Oh, so nice. Yeah. Just like you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just thought oh, it was so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that was awesome. that was fun. I interview Jordan, and I, I interviewed uh, Kobe Bryant's rookie year, and I interviewed him one on one for like you know fifteen minutes, just me and him. Oh, so yeah, cool, cool experience. That is a very cool experience. Yeah, okay. So, anyway. And then I also heard, I don't know if you can say like the name, but didn't you sell a house to a jazz player? <laughs> Sold this house, helped buy a house. Uh, I, think I kind of remember. A, I a think you're week. thinking a University of Utah player who's now in the NFL. Oh, okay. That, yeah. I just remember. I'm like, <laughs> yes, it was. Okay. Yes. Because yes. Courtney knew who it was. Yeah. 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 Okay. And he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's just awesome. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I won't say who he is, but he was in the Super Bowl last year. Oh, cool. <laughs> so you might be able to figure it and out. Is that just from being, how do, you, how do you meet them? Just from being in the industry? and? Yeah, I uh, just through, you know, marketing, got a call and somebody, a referral, and next thing you know, we're working with them. And so cool. Amazing family. Aww. Just amazing individuals. Yeah, yeah so great, great experience. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And so let's talk about marketing. Do you have like newsletters? Do you do mail outs or do you host open houses? What are some of the other ways that you get business other than referrals or is it strictly now referrals? Yeah. So early on, 
I worked through a CRM and made tons and tons and tons and tons of calls. Oh, okay. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. And your conversion rate's really low. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's what I had to do, right? To get going. I had no other, you know, this is right after two, over two years of no income. Yeah. So I'm just like, whatever it takes, you right. know, let's go. Yeah. yeah. So we did, I did that for a few years. And then it, it's, it's interesting because as I took care of my clients and as they felt that from me, that no matter what it took for me to adapt whatever I needed to do, including commissions if I had to, whatever it took to help them win. When they felt that, I started to just get these referrals just back, just organically, just happened. Okay. And uh, next thing you know, I noticed that I wasn't using the, CMA, the CRM at all wow. for quite a while. So I, I eventually just got rid of it because okay. I'm like, I'm not even using that to, anymore. So yeah, so now it's just referrals and, okay. and working the SOI and doing some marketing pieces, like some occasionally a farming piece and okay. stuff like that. Like around your open uh, your listings and things like that. No, yeah. I don't. I don't usually do that. I know that might work for some agents, but for me, I just mainly farm around where I live, which is in Sandy. Okay. Um, just occasionally, okay. and uh, yes, I'll run open houses when it makes sense to run them. Sometimes in the market, it doesn't make sense to run them. Sometimes a certain type of house, it doesn't make sense to run them. And then other times it does. What did your day to day look like? Do you go to your office? I know you were just at a meeting. Do you go to your office or do you go, uh, do you have an office at home? What is? Well, that's, that's another agent specific mm -hmm. thing, right? I remember when I first got on with my brokerage, there were people there that would say, oh, I can't believe so-and-so's, you know, in the office so much because that must mean that they're not working that much. I, I'm hardly ever in the office. I'm out in the field, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's funny because as I became an agent, as I learned what worked for me, I realized I'm actually just the opposite. I like to be in the office. Okay. I do the majority of my qualification. Personally, I think that a lot of agents, unfortunately, spin their wills where they don't need to. I spend a lot of time in the office working with the client on the phone to make sure we're ready and we're finding exactly what we need to find and we're qualified, you know what I mean, before mm -hmm. we even go look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the majority of my time is actually the office. I, I just go out once in a while for showings and, you know, stuff like that. So, okay. listings, yeah. Yeah, I've anyway. just, I've, I've found like a common denominator with a lot of top producing agents is that, and it's not all of them, of course, like you said, but mo most of them, they do go in the office. Yeah. You know, and they're, yeah. they're working from the office and I think that has a lot. That's a great point. It is, yeah. and it's just a, I think also being around other people that are producing mm -hmm. and surrounding yourself with those types of people, if that's what you want to do, right. you know? Yeah, and that's not for everybody, right? right? I mean, there's top producing agents that don't go in the office. There is. There, there is. is. So, yeah. yeah, so it's just whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I found yeah. that with most of them. Right on. Yeah, they go into an office, which is that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. What's a piece of advice that you would give to your new agent self? So one of the things that um, I learned when I was in the financial business, and securities license, and doing that stuff, very, very difficult road too. I learned that it's important to set a, not just one goal. If you just set one goal, what happens is, is you tend to set that goal high because you wanna, you wanna stretch yourself to reach that goal, right? But if you set that goal high and you don't reach it, what do you feel like? Yeah, exactly. You're down yourself. You're like, oh, I was a loser. I didn't hit my goal. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
So what I've learned in that industry is that if I set two goals, if I set a go, a go for a goal, okay. which is like, this is my go for a goal. If I hit this, I'm rocking yeah, it. I'm winning. I'm totally killing yeah. it, right? Yeah. But I also have another goal. My other, other goal is a minimum standard of excellence. Ooh. This is my minimum standard of excellence, my MSC goal. Okay. So GFI goal and an MSE goal. Okay. And my MSE goal, my minimum standard of excellence is exactly what it says. It's this is my absolute minimum and my standard to, to have excellence. Okay. And no matter what, hell or high water, it does not matter what it takes, you have to hit that goal. Okay. And so you set that goal accordingly. And then that way, when you fall somewhere in between, you're really going for your goal for a goal, right? right. But if you fall somewhere in between, what do you feel like? You're like, okay, all right. I. I at least I exceeded my minimum standard, my minimum of, excellence. standard of excellence right, goal, right. and I still got work to do. Right. But I'm I'm in the frame. But I I'm feel but I feel like a winner. Yeah. I don't yeah. feel like a loser. I feel like a winner. Yeah. Because I hit my minimum standard, and I heck I got three fourths away to my goal for a goal, which was really stretching myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really so cool. I, so every that's why I tell my agents, hey, every single year, set your your minimum standard of excellence and your goal for a goal, and then plan out your year accordingly. And then the second key piece of it is keep track of your success. Okay. Keep track of it because you if you know all your numbers, that's right. Okay. I have to admit, during the crazy period of the last few years, yeah. I kind of got away from keeping track of it because it was so busy. I just pulling my hair like out. The, I don't the have the admin hair like, to pull out. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm pulling what remaining I hair I have out. I like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and because it's so busy yeah. and it was difficult, candidly, to keep track of everything you're doing. But now the market has slowed down and so it's easier to do that. So I'm getting back to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you go over that with your team? It, uh, or you teach them? Yeah. I mean, I, I just teach them. I, I don't, I'm not one of those team leader agent guys who sits there and micromanages and has okay. meetings all the time. I, I just, we just do it on the fly Okay. because okay. I think that's your best way to learn. Yeah. Really. I agree. And where do you see yourself in the next five, 10 years? Oh, wow. Business, yeah, that's personal? A, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that um, for not only for clients, but for agents, it's probably a, usually a good idea to buy real estate. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I've done that over the last, there's a method that I use and I don't share this with everybody, but, and it's too long to share right now, but there's a method I use where you actually use your home equivalent credit uh, as a virtual checking account that allows you to basically purchase on steroids. Um, and it's really awesome. It's amazing. And if you don't want to purchase homes, by the way, you can use that same concept to pay off your home very quickly. Yeah, it's really cool. Wow. And so anyway, so so I use that concept and, and I follow a lot of the methods uh, that are taught in another podcast, which I won't name. Okay. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's really awesome because it allows you to 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 move forward with building a portfolio. Okay. And so I, I so I would encourage agents and clients alike, right, to, to build your portfolio, go out there and buy real estate and, and make a hope happen. And as you as the market grows and as your rents increase, that will become better and better and better and better for you. Wow. E Equity-wise too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now that we're all intrigued, we're gonna have to go follow you <laughs> and get a hold of you. I know your information, but where can people follow you so they can find out about this 
this method that you used? <laughs> you can always find me on my website, which is searchhousesinutah.com. Okay. I'm also on Instagram, other places like that. But the best, but the best method is really to go to my website, search houses. There's two H's there. Searchhousesinutah.com, okay. and then you can get my email, my my phone number. You know, reach me in any any way you want. Text me anything. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Now I, I really want to see if you'll share with me after this. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Oh, thanks for having me. It's really great to share, you know, share these experiences, and that's really great of you guys to do this. And I think and it's so get fun. Get the word out there. Yeah, yeah seriously. Thank yeah. Thank you for being on here again. <laughs> and we're still recording, so we're good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. Bye. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate us, like us, and share this podcast with our real estate community. The Nova Show Real Estate Record, sharing raw stories of real estate failures, lessons, wins, and successes. This is all from Novation Title, bringing a different experience into your world so that we can all uplift each other. Until next time.